All right, Revelation 3. Revelation 3. All right, so um, I thought about changing it up, but I'm like, nope, we're going to close it. We're just going to close out this series for tonight, and anyone that's not here can just listen to the podcast. That's right. That's why we got the podcast for the new Philly people and anyone's too lazy to come to church. Just kidding, Northwest people. Just kidding. Love you. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Revelation 3. So we're going to end uh, Laodicea tonight. After this message, the rapture is going to happen. I wish. That would be great, wouldn't it? We'd be out of here. Stephen's like, I just gave like, Man. a awesome message, and Josh is like, boom. Yeah, boom. Perfect timing. Well, we always say that Laodicea ends with failure, so that might actually be with my message, too. God's like, ah, oh, you could have done better. You We're out of here. You could have done better. You're like, that message was great. He's like, actually, it was the thing. Just put it over the top. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. Although they say, they say that there's a certain number that God knows who it's going to be, and when that last person gets saved, the rapture will happen. Boom. That last son of God when he's restored. So anyhow, that's for another time, another day. We'll do that on a Sunday morning because we're going to be talking about the rapture in a part of our doctrinal studies. And so it'll be absolutely. We'll compare scripture to scripture. So we'll find it. Nope. Nope. We're talking about Laodicea now. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. I promise I do have control of my class. Okay. All right, so Revelation 3. So here's what we're going to do. Um, this was just kind of a list that I put together tonight. But before we, we start off tonight, um, I would like to read through the letter one more time uh, just to kind of close things out. But I want to start off by, you know, I felt like uh, last week's was very, very personal, uh, last week's message. And, um, and I want you guys to share a little bit. If, um, uh, you know, we talked about you can have whatever kind of relationship with God that you really want to have. And, uh, and what is it, what is it going to take for you to have that kind of a relationship? Has there been any change this week with you guys with different things, even if it's small? Because that's really, you know, people think that you have to make these magnanimous changes in your life in order to glorify God. You know, not really. Not really. Because it always starts with small decisions. Uh, people that are willing to make the small decisions faithfully over time, they, those are the ones that we think are making the big decisions to follow God. Um, but it always starts off with small decisions. It's very rare where someone, something happens in someone's life and they are radically transforming their Christian walk and then everything's just completely different from that point forward. At least that's how it's been in my life. That's how I've noticed. Um, those big moments are, are, are very few. I mean, the day you get saved, that's one of them. I remember the day that my sin found me out, for sure, was another one. Uh, but outside of that, it's always been slow incremental change. So anybody want to share from what they... Yeah, went through last so, week. There's just been complications with my family, like mm-hmm. relating to my grandpa and whatnot. And it's just been like me trusting in him has been the best thing because through those difficulties, it's just trusting in him is like the best thing because I've never really known true love from God until those big events that's really shown. So I've been loving on God and trusting in him more yeah. from those huge situations and with my mom and having a better relationship with yeah, for sure. And I think in the midst of chaos, it gives you peace. Whereas before, we're like, <gasps> we're freaking out because we don't know what's going to unfold. And really, we can just rest. Because I've been in those moments, too, where it's hard. I can get very anxious. But sometimes when I get get to things like that, like I really examine, am I doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing? God, is there anything that I'm doing I shouldn't be doing? Whatever, God, just show me that. And if I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then would you just fight this battle for me? Yeah. Good. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Noah. Um, 
I know just like one little thing I've done is like usually I just listen to music on the way to school. Yeah. Because I got like a twenty minute drive. Yeah. But like I think it was twice this last week I kind of just turned it off and just kind of pray for this all ten minutes of the ride. Yeah. And it makes a difference. A huge difference. I do that on my way into work. Like usually on my way into work when I leave our driveway. I might listen to the latest news headlines just real quick because only it's like five minutes or whatever. And then I spend the rest of the time getting my heart right and talking to God on the way into the office. That helps me out a ton, ton. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And um, doing that has helped, like, just setting aside time where you are, like, actually, like, what I consider traditionally praying, you mm-hmm. know, like, bowing your head, closing your eyes, but that has helped, but, like, what I found is just through my day, just talking with God, Yeah. you know, yep. even when I'm frustrated, I'm like, God, this is so stupid, I know. <laughs> I know. and then I my know. attitude changes, yep, you know? it does, it does, I know, I love that, you gotta have that kind of relationship with God, you have to, otherwise we'll go insane, <laughs> literally, we will go insane if we don't do that, anybody else, yeah, um, so before, like, Christmas break happened, I was, like, getting up at, like, 5.20, which is an hour normal, like, an hour earlier, and I was just taking that time to actually, like, get into God's Word before school because I really wasn't doing that, then Christmas break happened, and that just kind of, like, went away. Yeah. So, like, um, I've just been trying to get back into that schedule because, like, the closest thing I've gotten to actually, like, putting God in my morning schedule was, like, a quick prayer that was probably, like, five seconds, like, I don't even know. So, like, just, like, even though every morning I don't necessarily get his word, but, like, just that I pray every morning has been helping. Mm-hmm. And, like, praying about things that actually matter. Yeah. Not about, like, things that, like, I know that I shouldn't be worried about anyway, but that I am. But, like, yeah. actually, like, praying and, like, being honest with God. Because I feel like my philosophy has always been, like, he already knows everything. Do I really need to tell him everything? And I'm like, but do we need to tell him everything anyways? So, like, mm-hmm. just getting back into that habit has helped me out. Yep. Week. Yep. That's big. That's big. Yep. And he does. He wants to hear everything. Yep. All right. What else? Anybody else? Okay. All right. Cool. All right. So, we're going to be kicking this off with uh, ending it with characteristic number seven. And uh, that is the concept that we are able to overcome anything when we follow the overcomer. And so, we'll, we'll talk about that when we hit those last few verses at the end. But let's go ahead and read this. And just to switch it up a little bit, we'll start with Sam up here and we'll kind of work our way like this way, this way, this way, this way. And let's just read this letter starting in verse 14. So Sam, go ahead and start us off. Just one verse each. Yep. One verse each. And unto the angel of the church of, Laod- of the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. <clears throat> So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment. Thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and know what thine eyes with eyes have. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous thereof, therefore, I repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. 
as I also as I also overcame and am set down with my father on heaven correct. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Alright. So we're gonna be talking about verse twenty one. That's gonna be our focus. And um, I think we've been taking everything in context up to this point, and it all really makes sense. Whenever you slow down and you take this piece by piece, verse 21 is very, very powerful. I think a lot of people skip over it whenever they read this letter. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So just based on that verse alone, what are some basic observations that you find in that verse? What are some basic observations? Yeah, Noah. Um, that if you're able to overcome sin, like or temptation, I guess, in your daily life, and then when you die, God's gonna bless you for it. Okay, good. And overcoming what sin in particular, based on the context? Uh, would it just be like not letting God necessarily to go with the door? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say that, but I would say it's more like. Verse 16, verse 17, this self-deceitful attitude that we have as Laodiceans, that we have the ability to overcome that. So, you know, if you're able to overcome what he's talking about here, what our problem is, then we're able to be blessed by God and even rule and reign with him as we should, as, you know, as we're going to, as the scriptures say. Yeah, Brandon. It says, even as I also overcame, I like that because Hmm. it's telling how he went through the same stuff we went through. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. See, I like this because here it says to him that overcometh, but then it says even as I also overcame and am set down. So if you overcome, you can sit with me even as I did. So there's a sense here that we're not alone in this at all, that he actually went through the same things. And so this made me think, this made me think about Jesus. It made me think about the gospels and it made me think of this. And this is something Maybe, maybe here's something, and I don't know if you guys have a place where you're doing your devotions right now, but maybe you don't. If you don't, maybe go back through and read one of the Gospels again. I don't care which one, because they all talk about Jesus. But if you go through one of the Gospels, read the Gospel from the perspective of Laodicea. Because I'm willing to bet you that the spirit of Jesus' time, when he walked this earth, was very similar to the time of Laodicea. Very, very similar. And if you go back through, I bet you a million bucks. If I had it, wish I had it. I don't. But if I did, I'd bet that, and I bet you that you find the characteristics of Laodicea all over the four Gospels. Because it says the exact same thing, even as I also overcame. He went through the exact same things, the exact same things. The same things that you struggle with today as a Christian in this world are the same things that Jesus struggled with, and yet he was successful. And it's the same stuff the disciples struggle with. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Any other observations? That was the big one. But any others for me, guys? Yep. Um, where it says, oh, to sit with me in my throne, I'm yeah. sure that Abba Father relationship will be yeah. in his lap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a place that we want to be. Like, I, I think there's a lot of Christians that feel like they can't have that kind of a relationship with God. Um, because either they've fallen so much that they could never attain to it, um, or their concept of God is so holy and God is so 
you know, so much different from me that there's no way I could ever. And no, but that's what he wants. That's what he desires. And it is possible. It's totally possible. And it's not blasphemous at all. That's the kind of intimacy he wants us to have. And maybe that's something you've struggled with in your own life. Because I know I have. I've struggled with stuff in my life where I've dealt with this sin over and over and over again in my life. Or this particular struggle or, or something that I've said or that I've done in my past or whatever. That I could never have an intimate relationship with God. I've had that thought. I mean, have you guys had that thought? And so that's not true. That is totally not true. That's actually the thing that's keeping you away from actually having the relationship you should be having with God. Um, it's a lie, and you shouldn't believe that lie. But I can't make you unbelieve that lie. That's something you have to decide for yourself. All right, so with all that stuff in mind, it's all good stuff. Let's take a look at this paragraph. And then there's some things here, and I want to dive a little bit into some of the Gospels, like I just mentioned, about some of the things that Jesus went through and uh, to see if we could... Uh, really relate to Jesus, which we should be able to. If we're following the Lord and we want to be obedient, there should be some elements here that we should relate to. There's going to be some elements that we can't relate to, and it's because we're just not being obedient. And maybe that's the challenge that we need to take on in our own life. All right, so paragraph. Looking back over this series, the combination of the powerful evil spirit of this age, the plague of self-deceit and self-worship among Christians, and the inevitability of the worldwide failure of the church to succeed in our mission can make each of us feel very frustrated overwhelmed and hopeless and helpless in our individual mission. So we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest we be wearied and faint in our minds. It's Hebrews 12. And then in Hebrews 4, Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, if there's ever a day you wake up and you don't need Jesus, there's something wrong. There's absolutely something wrong um, because we always need mercy. We always need grace. We should always be in need, especially in this age. This age is terrible that we live in. And so the first thing that we see here is that we're supposed to follow Christ's lead. Um, he wasn't, you know, uh, this wasn't something that was foreign. I mean, let's go to Matthew. Go to Matthew 4. We're going to just take a look at a few of these passages. We don't have time to look at all of them, but we're going to look at a few of these passages. And I want you to um, just notice some things here. So Matthew chapter 4. So the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he um, was baptized, went out into the desert, started preaching and teaching publicly. Um, shortly after that, after he began to preach and teach publicly, out of the midst of the people that followed him, um, he began to disciple. It's just something that was very second nature to him. Uh, but verse 19, 19, back it up to 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So this is something that's very, very important. In order to be the person God wants you to be, you have to follow him. That's very simple, but that is so important. It's not about following a person it's not about following your idea of what a good Christian is. It's about following Jesus. Um, and that may be a canned answer that someone would give in Sunday school, but it is totally the truth. And so what then you need to do is that, okay, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple, especially for those of you that are being discipled right now, like if I say I'm following Jesus, then I should be able to take my life and I should look at the life of Christ and I should be able to see my life becoming more like his. The things that he did 
are the things that I am now doing in my life. I don't do it perfectly because it takes like an entire lifetime. And even by the end of your lifetime, there's still things that you're not doing that Jesus did because we're human. But there should be elements of your life where you are doing more of the things that Jesus did or else we're not a follower of Christ. So that's something that's a very simple measurement that we should all be able to, to measure ourselves against. And that's why we're going to take a look at some of these things. So um, I want to look at some of the things here. Uh, okay, if we're supposed to follow Christ's lead, then what did he do? Well, in John 17, he evangelized and he discipled people. I mean, we've talked about John 17 many times. Um, he manifested God and he discipled people. So people could follow him and he taught them things that God had taught him. It's very simple. So in your life, when was the last time that you shared anything spiritual with someone? Like anything, just even something small. I mean, it could be the full-blown gospel, or it could be just a small thing of how God has impacted your life. I mean, that should be something that's very, I mean, it's pretty, pretty basic. And I heard a statement this past week from somebody, and it was unrelated to the youth ministry, but it just has been something in my mind is, there are people that leave our church on Sundays, whether it's Sunday school or the main service, and they get mad at us for telling you guys that you should be evangelizing and discipling. And it's because they feel guilty because they're not doing it. But that's what Jesus did. I mean, all we're doing is saying what the Bible says. I mean, there are weeks that I don't share the gospel with people. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. It's harder for me now to share the gospel with people because I'm not around lost people as much as I used to be. But that's no excuse for me not to be doing it. I was so excited at that birthday party at our neighbor's house to be able to talk with that guy because those opportunities are much more rare to me now than they've ever been before in my life. Um, I always try to have a spiritual conversation with the lady that ends up cutting my hair. Um, if I'm at a drive through window or if I'm getting a coffee at Starbucks and I try to strike up a conversation, I always try to see if there's a door that I can open up to talk about something spiritual. Um, anything. I love to disciple out in public. I love to do that. I mean, it's great to disciple in your house or in somebody in your disciple's house, but I love to disciple out in public because people see an open Bible and it can spark conversations with people. Like anything like that. When was the last time you said anything spiritual to somebody? Because if we're following Jesus, then those should, those, that should happen in our life. And as far as being a, a discipler, um, you guys are always discipling. Like even if you're not in discipleship, you're discipling. I don't know if you ever have thought about it from that perspective, but that is totally true. I mean, right across the hall, you have a room full of junior hires that automatically look up to you just because you're older. They do. My daughter, my son, they look up to you guys. They love you guys. Even if you're not walking with God, they love you. And you place an impact upon their life just for being you here. That matters big time. Because I want my son and my daughter to want to be like some of you. But there are some times where I'm like, I don't want them to be like some of you. <laughs> you know? And then there are days in my own life where I'm like, I don't want my son or daughter to be like me in this area. You know? Because I'm not, I'm not modeling for them what they should be doing. So you can't get out of this. Like, this is not something you can do. Well, I'm just, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to be discipled. I don't want to, I don't want to. Okay, great. But still, you're setting a pattern for the people younger than you. You are. Yeah, Jamie. With that, um, one of the pastors that I follow, um, he says that like really, really convicting to me. He's like, you're regardless of whether you're walking with God or not, you're discipling somebody around you in something, whether it's parenting or your children or your friends, group, or whatever, or people at your work. You are discipling them in a way. 
Mm-hmm. Whether it is a godly way or not is up to you, but you are discipling them in something. Yep. Somebody somewhere is following you in the path that you're leading. And so are you going to lead them to God or are you going to lead them astray? Yep. Yep. And an easy way to be a good example on that stuff is just love God yourself. When you love God yourself, you don't have to worry about other people and what they think of you most of the time. Because <laughs> there are exceptions to that rule, unfortunately. But you do. If you just love God and you want to make him happy with your life, then people can follow that. So that's a really, really simply, simple, uh, simplified way I can put that. Um, all right, so that's the first thing right there. Um, the next one, go to John 1. Go to John 1. So Jesus was received by some, but rejected by most. This one is a hard pill for me to swallow because I tend to be a people pleaser. When someone is unhappy with me or if something is not right with a person, I have a very hard time with that being undone. And it's a struggle that I have. It's a weakness that I have. And it bothers me greatly. Um, And so when it comes to this, I have to resolve in my heart that I have to do what is right in the eyes of God and I cannot care about anybody else. And it's really, really hard. It's really hard to do that. Um, But Jesus, he was received by some, but he was rejected by most. In John 1, someone read 11 and 12. 11 and 12. Go ahead, Sam. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Okay, we know these verses, but from this perspective, I wanted these two verses to be read. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. There's, there's very few things that are worse than someone rejecting you as a person. Like, they just don't like you. They don't like how you are. They don't like what you have to say. They don't like what you stand for. That's very hard for us to swallow. I don't think there's a single person that enjoys that. There are people that put on a strong facade, like Russell Westbrook. But he's, it's not true. I'm telling you, if he didn't have the money that he had, he'd care a lot more about what people thought about him. He's finding his security and his riches, and one day that's going to completely go away. But I'm telling you that all of us care. We all care. And if you are outright rejected by the people that are supposed to be your family, that are supposed to be your friends, that are supposed to be the ones that are supposed to receive you, that's hard. Jesus went through that. He came into his own. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus saved these people out of the grip of Egypt. I mean, they were as good as dead in Egypt, and God saved them. And even though God saved them, they still murmured and bickered against him about everything to the point that he wanted to completely wipe them out and start over. And yet he was gracious to them. And he built out of those rebellious people a nation that was supposed to honor and glorify God throughout the entire world. And through them was supposed to come the Messiah. And finally the Messiah came. I mean, this should have been like from the first moment this, this guy was born, their Messiah, it should have been like a welcome party like you've never seen. And it should have been, this is him. This is who we've been waiting for. What did he come into? He came into outright rejection, having to run to Egypt in order to survive as a baby. And then when Herod was actually dead, then they could come back, but they couldn't go to Jerusalem. They had to go to Nazareth. I mean, and then to live your entire life as as if you're in hiding until he's 33 years old or 30 years old. And then he finally has his public ministry, and then he begins to say who he is and minister. And the religious leaders who should have recognized, and they did, they knew exactly who he was from day one. They knew exactly who he was. They knew who he was, and they wanted to kill him and get him off the earth. 
I mean, it's one of those things where, are you kidding me? And so for us to think that we can live a Christian life without any problems and people not liking us, and we're not going to ruffle any feathers, that's ridiculous. <laughs> if there's a form of Christian, Christianity that fits well within this world, it's not of God. It can't be. There's no way it can be. It's just not possible. And so if that's what you want, then it's not the God of the Bible. And if it's not of the God of the Bible, then it's going to send you to hell if you're not careful. So it's terrible. It's terrible, but that's the way it is. But there's hope because verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So he was received by some, but rejected by most. He was loved and he was hated. We've already talked a little bit about that. There are certain people that loved him. They claved him, but yet he was hated and they wanted to destroy him, the Bible says, very clearly. I like this one a lot. Go to Luke 22. Luke 22. This is something that was in my dad's message a couple weeks ago. Luke 22, verse 39. And he came out and went, and as he was wont, which means this is what he did, this is his pattern, to the Mount of Olives, which means this is the place where he prayed and spent personal time with God. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, I love that, he was at the place. There was a certain place that he went to. I don't know if it was daily, but it doesn't say that. But we know that he resorted to a mountain oftentimes to pray to God. And there's a certain place that he went to. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my own will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel uh, unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. So here... He knew what was coming. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he struggled with it. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to struggle with being obedient. It's okay to struggle with not wanting to do something that God wants you to do. The issue is, are you going to do it or not? That's really what it comes down to. Um, Because that's what it came down to Jesus. He did not want to do it. He asked not to do it. And there was, I mean, yeah, there's an element of him being selfish here, but not really. I mean, because think about it from God's perspective. Jesus has never touched sin in his entire life. It was not unreasonable for him to request to God the Father that it would pass from him because he didn't want to do it. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he was in agony over it. And he prayed even more earnestly. So this is, this is very, very important, very important for us to understand. It's okay to struggle. It's just a matter of what you're going to do with it. So he struggled with what God called him to do, but he still obediently submitted. There are days that I don't want to do certain things, but I have to do them. Um, And those are very hard days. They're very hard. But I have to think about it. What's more important, me or God's work? Me or what God wants me to do? Um, He was tempted and he grew weary in spiritual warfare. That was here in Luke 22, but also in Matthew chapter 4. He was tempted and he used God's word to combat that and he grew weary in it. Um, This next one, man, I wish we could go through all these ones. Uh, He continually gave himself for others. Um, Continuously. He continually gave himself for others. Whether it was healing, putting himself up on the cross to die for our sins, raising the dead. Um, I mean, he just constantly, he constantly had compassion upon people. Constantly. Uh, Go to Luke 7. We're already in Luke. Just back it up a little bit to chapter 7. 
We'll just look at a couple of these. Luke 7. Verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Man, can you imagine that one? Not only has she lost her husband, but she now she lost her only son. Now she's alone. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came fear, a fear on all, I would guess so. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region around about. And the disciples of John showed him all these things. He had compassion on her. I mean, he had the ability to do something, and he did it. He saw this woman, and she was weeping. She lost everything. Imagine how she felt. And he had compassion on her. He constantly gave like that. Do you have a heart like that for people? He did. All the time. All the time. Like, even if there's nothing you can do for someone, do you still have compassion on them? We should. You know, this is one of the most exhausting parts about my job. You know, when uh, uh, Freddie and Jessica, uh, we got the call about Jessica's ex-husband, that he took his own life. Um, I kept thinking about Jessica's kids. Um, Dakota, who's in the junior high in Landon, so sixth grade and fifth grade, they love their dad. I mean, they love their dad. So <clears throat> I talked to Tom, and Tom's like, "Hey, you need to go to their house tonight." I'm like, "Okay, I'll go." And so I called up Sean Carlson, and Sean's like, "Yeah, I'll go." And so we get over to uh, Freddie's parents' house in Ravenna. And, uh, and it was moments after they had told the kids that their dad was gone. And I'm in a situation like that. I'm like, what in the world can I do with these kids that are never going to see their dad ever again? And um, so I just kind of went over and I sat with them and, um, you know, put my hand on them. And we talked and we prayed and I gave them hugs later and stuff like that. And I think of stuff like that. When I read these things, I think of stuff like that. And Jesus having compassion, you know, where it talks about uh, that we're supposed to weep with them that weep. That's because he weeps. When you have tears and you're struggling with things in your heart, man, God struggles with it too. He doesn't want you to go through stuff like that. You kidding? And people think that God is some sadistic overlord that loves to bring pain upon people. That's ridiculous. That's not it at all. He had compassion upon people and he gave, he gave as much as he could to people. And uh, we should have the same heart for people like he did. Um, he was always burdened for the lost and the wayward. He wept over Jerusalem. They didn't want anything to do with him and he still wept over them. He still cared about them. And he never stopped and he still hasn't stopped. And he won't ever stop loving Israel, no matter what they do to him. He creatively touched people's lives. I love that one. In John 1, he said something really neat to uh, Nathaniel and Philip. 
that really just blew their minds and it was nothing big but he just creatively how he approached them and then i think of the woman of the well in john chapter four and how he approached her and he knew the things that were in her heart and so he was able to do something very special in order to touch her heart and even in john chapter eight i think about the woman that was caught in adultery and god had every right to just i mean kill her on the spot for committing adultery because there's no doubt that she did it but he just did certain things you observe jesus and his character and what he did throughout the scriptures like the way that he loves people and that he touches, touched people's lives were very powerful. It wasn't some sort of canned Christian response. He loved people. He knew where they were at. And so we should know people that way. And so we know how to creatively touch their own lives. So then they know that we care about them because we do stuff like that. Uh, this one's a tough one. He was alone at times. Oh, yeah. And Jesus was alone at times. Big time. Um, go to Matthew 26. Go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 54. So talking about the crucifixion in verse 56, it says, But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. All of them did. All of them. And then take a look at verse, um, let's see here, 54. He said it was going to happen. And, um, oh, that wasn't it. Where was that at? Oh, I missed it. Maybe it was 40. Nope, I missed it. All right, I'll have to look that one up later. Um, I had it, but it's not there. All right, so he was alone at times for sure, and so we will be too. Um, I love what he says in John 16, 23. He says that he is going to be alone, but yet he's never alone because the Father's with him. And so there are times where we have to take a stand and we have to take a stand for God where we feel very, very alone. Uh, but Jesus, when he was alone, he was never alone. And that's something hard to believe sometimes, but it's totally true. And then he set aside personal time for God. Luke six sixteen. that's where he prayed all night to God. Matthew fourteen twenty three. he went up to the mountain and he prayed, which you know is the Mount of Olives. And Mark six forty six. same thing. And then this last one, ooh, I mean, this is a tough one. His reputation was defamed. He was falsely accused. And he was murdered for his obedience to the Lord. Um, and yet he did it anyway. And um, so when you look at those things, just from a nutshell, uh, how are we doing? Following Christ's lead. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what I'm talking about. The, the same spirit that he worked through with the Sadducees, Pharisees, that time in history is very, very similar to this time in history. It's very, very similar. And it is not easy um, and that's what happened to Christ. And so it's the same thing that's going to happen to us. And my question to you is just, how are you doing? That's what that blank's for, is how are you doing following Christ's lead? And my other question I was thinking about is, can I relate to him at all? Are there certain things that I can relate to him? Or maybe not. And maybe that's part of the problem. I'm just not willing to identify myself with Christ and follow his lead because I'm not willing to do what he, what he did himself. Um, but here's the point, and that's point number two, is that we are to lead others to follow Christ's lead. So we're supposed to follow his lead, but the whole point as we follow Christ is that we're to lead others to do the exact same thing. That's the whole point of this whole thing. And so how can we expect to um, lead other people if we're not willing to do these things ourselves? And as I think about our vision for this year of being ready to go, which means being ready to go and do whatever God wants us to do, that means that we personally need to be ready first. But there should always be somebody that you could be leading. For some of you, it's your younger siblings. 
Um, for some of you, it's the junior hires. For some of you, you're helping out in the kids' ministry, and it's the kids that you teach or help out with. For some of you, it's VBS. Um, for some of you, it's um, maybe the other freshmen that are in here. I don't know. I don't know. But there's always a potential to be leading somebody and try to help them to follow Christ. But I think that's part of the problem, and I've noticed that in my life, is that when I'm not able to lead other people, it's because I'm not following Christ myself. And I don't mean that to be something that's like a, a downer or something that's hard. It's just reality. And then so that makes me think, okay, well, then what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Because we can overcome. Um, it's possible, but we need to follow him. So don't follow me necessarily. I mean, I should be following Christ, but that's not what I mean. I mean, don't be following me or the things that I necessarily say. I want you to follow Christ. And if there's anything in my life that is not modeling Jesus Christ to you, um, I want to know that because I want to be able to be a good model to you guys. And I know I'm not perfect. Um, I'm always in a process of growth. We always are. But um, that's the whole point of this thing is you guys need to follow Christ yourself. And um, this is not a game. This is not some sort of a religious facade that turns people into hypocrites um, or makes us feel better about our sin. This is real. This is the real deal. So, and I want that to be this way this year. Um, but it really begins with our heart. So, any comments? Any thoughts? Okay. All right. Good deal. All right. So, even though we had a smaller crowd, finishing it out. Hopefully, it was a blessing to you, and hopefully, it challenged you guys in some things. Um, and uh, yeah, next week, uh, Bobby and Rick are going to be taking Wednesday nights for a little while. So they've, they're cooking up some special stuff for you guys. I still haven't seen it yet, so it's a surprise to me. Um, but I'm excited about it. So we're going to be doing something a little bit different on Wednesday nights up until camp. And then um, we're going to keep doing doctrinal studies for a little while until either you guys get tired of it or we do something else. So there's always a lot of doctrinal study stuff that we can be doing. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Okay. All right, well, let's pray. Anybody want to pray? Close this out. Go ahead, Noah. Yeah, Father, I want to just thank you this day, Lord. Uh, thank you, all guys, from church, and just to hear a message. And I suppose help us just uh, continually craft our lives around yours, Lord, and that we would just um, be still and let you mold us, and that we wouldn't try to fight you with it, and that we just accept it, and that we'd be more like you, so that. We can show your love and we can do the things that you did on this planet, Lord, so that we can be as close of a replica as we can be, Lord. And even though we had a small group, Lord, I think it still went really well tonight and the message was powerful and convicting. So I should please help us to take it to heart, Lord, that even if it's just us 11, that's a good number of people that can start a change and then it can spread and get bigger and bigger, Lord. And we can start a real change around Stark County and in our local schools, Lord, if we're just willing to get over ourselves and pride and laziness and just follow you and uh, just witness to people and even if it means they're not going to like us or they hate us, that we would just be unselfish and just go all in for you, Lord. And I suppose help everybody on their way home that they just have to stay pride. In your name, amen. Amen.